Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, the Hawks come up short in triple overtime. Thriller versus the Hogs. Mizzou nabs a big win versus Kentucky. And will this be the year EB finally gets his shot? Special guests include Danon Hughes at 11 and Paul Charging at 1. Now a man who cried a single crimson and blue tear this morning, Alex Gold. Not as much as you and I would have depending on how our bets were about to go in that KU game. We got saved at the end. Got saved at the end with the Luke Grimm touchdown, the last touchdown in regulation before overtime. If you guys listened to the show uh, yesterday, you know that Nick said he would not be here on the show today if Kansas lost, which well, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you're here, but I'm confused. Well, we I, I like yourself, did have... I had a couple other saving graces. It uh-huh. wasn't Luke Grimm, but... Um, at one point, I was deathly concerned that deathly the concerned. Hawks were not going to score 33 and a half points. Little did I know uh, they were going to pass that mark and then add 20 uh-huh. and put 53 on the board. Last two and a half minutes of that game really was a, a game changer for me personally, even though I think for, for a lot of short. people, we will talk plenty about that game uh, from last night. Absolute chaotic finish triple overtime loss for the Jayhawks against Arkansas. We'll get to Missouri Tigers, their big basketball win last night against Kentucky. It's kind of nice. We, we don't usually have a ton on the college sports front between KU and MU, unless it's just border war trash talk back and forth. But because of how crazy the bowl game ended up for KU last night, and because it was a huge win for Missouri against Kentucky there in Columbia, we will spend a good chunk of the show today throughout it talking about both local schools and of course i know tomorrow nick when i'm out you guys will be talking about k-state as they have a huge game against alabama in the sugar bowl uh come saturday but we're with you for the next four hours alex gold nick schwert with you Danian hughes former chiefs wide receiver going to join us coming up at 11 o'clock i was informed though just mere minutes ago nick real quick i need to get something cleared up before i get into last night's ku bull game madness uh sean barber had been of course, filling in with Bink this morning for four hours. Sounded great. It was good to see Barber on the early morning hours. We'll see him tonight. Players only as well, or hear him tonight. Players only. He informed me of something, Nick, and Nick's giving me that look. You know exactly what this is about. So before the season, Sean Barber gave me an opportunity and Pete Sweeney and you an opportunity that based off of a bet from a season ago, you could double down and avoid the dinner bet. And I see I'll double down. I'll finish further than you than uh, in Survivor. And that happened. He knows that. That happened. I coached champ with Kling. 
you got out before Barber. Pete got out before Barber, which means you guys owe him dinner still. And he was telling me, hey, what, what's today's date? No, no. And he said, is it the 30th or 20th? I go, 29th. He goes, huh, it's only a couple days till the calendar turns to 2023. You wouldn't want to have any debt going into the new year, and it sounds like you do. No, and Barber's no. in here. Here's what happened, and oh. he can't, I don't even know if he can hear he me. He probably can't hear you, no. Because I had a date set up. We had a date oh. planned. Boom, me, Barber, Pete Sweeney, we were all going to go to a local establishment and pay off our bets. And at the last minute, Barber said, no, can't do this weekend. Got a date night with the wife. Oh, wow. So you actually, Barber, bailed on the potential date. So now, I yeah, mean, the bet's that was in ha- November. That was bet, in November. The bet still has to be paid off. But the fact that it's taken some time, maybe not as much of their fault as it is your fault as well, Barber. You know, it takes two way street to tango here yeah. a little bit, you know. So we'll we'll see. At some point, you guys owe him a steak dinner, though, right? A steak dinner. Well, it's, it's a nice whatever, wine. He, whatever he wants. I think he said capital. Know? I think he said capital grill. Well, the price is the price, so I think capital. hundred dollars goes. Well, he's got two, he's got two hundred dollars of bills, so he's <laughs> he can go to capital grill. He'll be a king in a lot of different places. Yeah, around he town. can he can he could do that as well. I I wasn't gonna bring it up. I had no idea. I thought you guys actually had taken care of it. So we I, tried. I, well, I hey, we tried with all our might. Well, it's good to know that you did try in in the month of, of November to try to get that worked out. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll hear Barbara. Tonight, players only with Dayton Hughes. And again, Dayton Hughes joining us here at 11. But I do want to start with the, the bowl game from last night. And I promise Missouri fans coming up at 1030, we're going to get into what was a huge win. And I think now changes the expectation and, and raises the bar from a Missouri basketball here heading into 2023. So we'll, we'll get there. It was, it was a big time win. But the bowl game, <laughs> the Liberty Bowl was absolutely insane yesterday. It went from I was excited. I'm sure you were excited. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm at a bar down the street, and it was a good crowd. I'm like, this is, this is nice. Uh, it's a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, KU's finally in a damn bowl game for the first time since 08, and there were people excited to actually watch it and ready to go. They get up 7-3. to three. You're thinking, all right, this offense still moving along. Let's go. And then for the next three and a half hours, it was miserable. <laughs> miserable. Arkansas looked like the clear talent gap between the two teams turnovers left and right. I I thought Jalen Daniels at times looked confused. Like that was the feeling for about three and a half hours after the initial seven to three score. And then man, for those of you, maybe you turned off the TV. If you were like me, I I kept the TV on, but I left the sports bar I was at and I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go home and watch the fourth quarter. I I don't need a, I left left the bar, which was five minutes for my place. Yeah. I still watched the game, but I was like, I don't need to continue to be at this sports bar. So I left after the the punt there fairly early on in the second half. I went home and watched the second half, uh, or the fourth quarter, I should say. And then we all know chaos broke loose. I mean, Kansas was down 15 points, Nick, in the final 105. They scored 15 points in the final 105. Uh, and the final 66 seconds right there was as thrilling as you can have. You had the onside kick recovery, which we all know how rare that is. I don't know what Arkansas was doing on, on the onside kick recovery. Like they were completely they lost. Not, I don't know, man. Did they not consider the, the the idea that Kansas might try to go for the onside I, there? I have no clue. I have no clue. So then Kansas still has to march down. We know the game ends up uh, in overtime and we get three overtime thriller. It was incredible. Arkansas gets the win over Kansas 55 to 53 uh, it's it's by far the bowl game uh, the, the the game of the bowl game season if that makes sense so far and it's 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 an all-time type of performance there it's weird because they lost but a much different vibe because of how they finished like you lost the football game plain and simple but at the same time Nick 
it was looking like an embarrassing performance for three and a half hours. Absolutely embarrassing. And then you turn it into where you still feel like there is some momentum despite losing the bowl game heading into next season. Yeah, I mean, here's what here's where I came up because when Kansas was getting down early and it was twenty four to seven and then it was thirty one to seven and then thirty eight to thirteen at one point. So many plays like I could probably find you a dozen plays from the first two and a half, three quarters of that game where he said, Oh, these don't look like the similar football teams. Right. Like right. no physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watching Kansas defenders try to bring down Arkansas players, watching them try to tackle KJ Jefferson. It's like, oh, that's the difference. That is why Kansas was supposed to be a two win team. And that's why the SEC is the SEC and middle of the pack Big 12 teams are what they are. So that to me was such a, a perfect encapsulation of where Kansas is as a program. But the fact that they were able to fight and claw their way back into that game shed says, okay, well, there's something special about the culture that's being built there. They may not have the talent and the bodies that some of these other conferences and schools do, but the culture that Lance Leipold has built yeah. is very real, and it was very evident last night. Yeah, I mean, this team had dug themselves holes throughout the season, right, in a lot of their wins. I mean, they double-digit deficit in West Virginia. We can go down the list of throughout their 5-0 and start, how many times they were down double digits and got off to slow starts and battled back, and that is a credit to them. I think, yeah, there's clearly still a huge talent gap between them and others, but uh, they still have the quarterback that they've had this year that ended up throwing for over 550 yards yesterday, gearing up for next season, which is certainly exciting. But I, I do have to talk about the final play because I, I understand that it was the third overtime and all of a sudden we're down to two-point shootouts, which – I sent out the tweet before KU lost in that shootout there. I, I can't stand the fact that after three overtimes, it goes to just a two-point shootout. It's terrible. You're having a great game. Just keep the damn overtime going. It's confusing. I, I, I hate it. So that was my take before KU lost in that situation. So I understand that KU had run six different two-point conversions throughout the entire day. And any football coach will tell you that you don't have like 20 of these two-point plays ready to go. It's just not how it works. I, I, I get that. I, fair point. However, when Jalen Daniels is your best player on the team, is throwing for 550, is white hot at that point, can't be stopped, you might be out of two-point plays. I don't care if it fails or not. You fail with Jalen Daniels, not with Jason Bean. I'm not even putting on Jason Bean. This, it's a college kid. He's a big reason why they're actually bull eligible. He won that game against Oklahoma State. So I'm not going to crush the kid. But he should not be deciding your game. That can't happen. Plain and simple. I don't like, think he knew it, that. It, it, I don't it think cannot he... decide the game. You, Jalen, the ball has to be in Jalen Daniels' hands in that moment. And if he makes the mistake, I can. You can live with it. It's your best player. You went out. You, you went out with it. But Jason Bean should not be your backup quarterback. That's what he is. Your backup quarterback should not have the ball in his hands making the deciding play of the game. That that's the only part that's really frustrating about yesterday. For I me. don't think he knew. I don't think he knew that the overtime rules. Oh, you think he just he threw it away on per, like threw it away from I mean, just living up that live didn't and die look another like, day? That didn't look like a pass that he just like put a little too much on. That looked like a pass he was trying to throw. I mean, I don't it know. Maybe like a it's throwaway. tough. It's it, tough to tell. It looked like a throwaway. I don't know if he intended, but yeah, I mean it ended up the optics of it looked he was like, gonna run. I watched that play like twenty times. He tucked it as if he was gonna run, and then all of a sudden, maybe yeah. he saw Fairchild wide open. Because he was wide. So that's the weird open. thing is the actual play design. They scheme the guy open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they scheme the guy open. My issue is not like overall the it, it's how do you let your backup quarterback 
and a two-point shootout. Well, where I mean, that play let's is be it. fair. They were going to run that play earlier, and that was the play where they— Well, they moved the hash, they, they moved and Bean was in there. We assumed that, that that was the it play. Was, that was the play. I mean, if, if, you, if we and were I to assume Nick, that you only run two-point plays on the two-point conversions, then— right. And you know, you like, what do you yeah. have? Seven, two point? No. And Nick, so like I would have had the same play, reaction, though, if it didn't work. I would have still said, like, this is not, this is not so like here, hindsight being 2020. Yeah. It's, it's pretty simple for me, no matter what, what the result is or whatever, and, and even if it's a greatly designed play. I, whether it's the Chiefs, whether it's the Jayhawks, whether it's the Missouri Tigers, the Kansas State Wildcats, my starting quarterback or my best player is who has to be the guy that makes the difference on a, on a, on a live or die, go home, sudden death type of play, not my backup quarterback. It's, so I don't it, think, I don't think coaches like view it the way we do through this prism of like, wow. it's, it's, it's this or that black and white, 100% versus 0%. Like, I don't think that's the way it works. And it's important to remember the context here, which is not just that Jason Bean was a backup, which is that he almost won this job. Like they don't view it as Jalen Daniels, is all the way up here, and Jason Bean is down here. I think all year long they viewed it as we have these two guys, and if all year we want to praise Kansas for having this explosive offense, top 25 in the country and scoring all year long, creativity, misdirection, keeping defenses playing on their heels, I'm not going to laud a team for four months because of their creativity from a play-calling perspective, and then the one time I don't like the play that they called, because it was in such a crucial moment, all of a sudden bury them for it. Like, that's what got them to this point. It didn't work. The execution wasn't there. The play design worked. The guy didn't make a play. He'd made a lot of plays for you this year. I don't hate it. It, It's just because it's a quarterback. It's just because it's a quarterback. If it were a running back where it's like, oh, you gave it to the backup running back? It's like, no, we just, we amplify it because of the position. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, and there's no doubt, I mean, this offense and, and what the, Kansas was struggling to score over 20 points a game for multiple years. And now they're scoring with ease. Right. And they just put up 50 plus points in a bowl game. I mean, so it obviously perspective is needed, uh, uh, Nick. And I think it, it's fair. And, and going into next season, there's plenty of reasons to, to continue to be optimistic. Nobody should be like, oh, my gosh, it's co- what, what is this coaching staff doing? That's not what I'm saying at all. I, and, and you're right. Maybe it's not black and white to to the coaching staff. I just think it's and this is my take with, with the Chiefs or any team, as I said, like, I, I want like I want Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, but they're not bringing in Chad Henney to throw. You know, in the I, Super I, I Bowl, want, I want. They're not bringing in Chad Henney on a. I want. I Dipsy do. I want my best player in that moment also deciding the game, though, Nick. Like, it's it's also not like Jalen Daniels was just playing okay at that moment. Yeah. He was white hot from the fourth quarter till the first two possessions in overtime. You know what's weird though is that I don't know how you felt, but at no point did it feel like Kansas was going to win that game. Hell no. Hell no. Because they got so, and I'm and I'm a Kansas homer. They got so damn lucky on the fumble and on the targeting. If you were on the other end of those calls, you would be bitching all night. Like those were the targeting, the targeting. was the, targeting. the game should have been over. I, I thought, the game was over. So I tweeted it out. I I thought that we were going to have the game end on a overturn of the targeting, which would have been very anticlimactic, which would have stuck. But I'm with you. Like it was that was a weak targeting call. Um, but, then, you know, this is this is this is part of the college football experience, I guess, when we watch college football games that, by the way, take five and a half hours. That game started at four thirty. And then I looked up and I'm like, it's nine o'clock. It is, it is nine o'clock. So it was an epic bowl game. Obviously, craziness there. Arkansas gets the win over the Jayhawks. Again, we'll talk about the Missouri Tigers basketball win against Kentucky last night coming up in 15 minutes or so. But I I want to talk some Chiefs football. And I think this will be really interesting to follow with what the Chiefs decide to do at left tackle. What did Orlando Brown Jr. say last offseason? It was pretty clear when he was going through the agent process. 
he had mentioned that he wants to be one of, if not the highest paid tackle in football, right? People balked at it. They're like, you're not, you're not one of those guys. Like, you're not even a top five guy, but okay. You can ask for what you want. And we know the chiefs tagged him and the chiefs offered him a contract reportedly, which would have been a significant bump in pay, but certainly didn't have the guarantees that he wanted and wouldn't have put him anywhere near Trent Williams. And he's not Trent Williams. And we saw in the first 10 weeks or so of this season, weeks one through nine, 30 pressures allowed in eight games. Now week 10 through 16, just 13 pressures allowed in seven games. Much like last year, Nick, Orlando Brown Jr. is playing better here on the back half of the season. Is that something worth exploring? Uh, Does he only try in the second half of the season? I, I don't know what the explanation is for that. I bring this up because that comment, how that played out, is exactly what potentially is happening in Houston. So what's going on in Houston? Well, yesterday, Laramie Tunzel, the left tackle for the Houston Texans, came out and said, he, Nick, wants to be the highest paid tackle in football. It is a very similar circumstance. He actually has a year left on his contract, but he's already setting the stage for, oh, I want to either be traded. He's not saying that, but he basically is. I, I don't want to be traded or I want to become the highest paid tackle. I don't, I'm not going to really want to play on that final year of my contract. I, I'm, I think he's 28 years old, 27 years old as well. Very similar to Orlando Brown Jr. You know what the difference is, though? I think I do, but I'll let you say it. You know what the difference is, Nick? Laramie Tunzel actually is a top three left tackle in football. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is they both are asking for the same thing. One guy's actually one of the best left tackles in football. The other guy's a middle of the road left tackle in football. And you say, okay, so what do you want to do? Yes, I want to go trade for Laramie Tunzel. The Chiefs should be trading for Laramie Tunzel this offseason. Trade Orlando Brown this offseason after you double tag him. Yeah, and but- I'm willing to pay Laramie Tunzel the record-breaking left tackle contract because he is a top two, top three left tackle in football. Okay. And then I don't have to worry about left tackle. But what do you, Kay, you say trade for Larry Tunzel, which, by the way, totally on board with. But let's explore that. What are you giving up to get Laramie Tunzel? Because similar, we know that's a premium compensation position. to Orlando Brown and more. So it's going to be that pick 32, hopefully, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. It's going to be pick 32, Nick. It's going to be another draft asset. I don't know, third round pick. And you have to give him the contract. But you're set for five years for actually a top left tackle. And then hopefully you can trade Orlando Brown Jr. and get yourself a mid, that mid-round pick back. That other team would have to give him the contract he wants. A lot of moving parts here. Would you not make the trade, though? No, I would make the trade. I think that it's – I think it would probably be more compensation than Orlando Brown. I know you'd have less control, but when you're talking about the value positions in the NFL and quarterbacks on its own island, yeah. wide receiver, cornerback – left tackle, pass rusher. I mean, it's those four. And those four require premium returns, not just like, oh, like a nice little haul. Those require the types of returns where you say, did you hear what the Dolphins got for Laramie Tunzel or what the Texans got for Laramie Tunzel? Like, that's what left tackle, premium left tackles, because I think you can make a case there there are less starting quality left tackles in the NFL than there are quarterbacks. Like it, it's such a massive drop off from the ones that are really good to just everyone else. If we're talking about Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. being a top ten player at his position, that is evidence as to how thin that position is, which is why I think that return is going to be massive. So here's what, and I don't disagree. I think yeah, it's, it's going to take a lot. Here's what the compensation at the time for twenty six year old Orlando Brown Jr. who was playing, remember, right tackle, wanted to be a left tackle. Now he's a left tackle. 
at the time the Chiefs traded their first round pick, which was what pick 28, I think it was that year in, in 2021. So the first round pick, third round pick, and a fourth round pick, along with a 2022 fifth rounder. And then they got the second rounder back, which they helped help get them. What was that Creed? Was that the Creed Humphrey and the Nick Bolton pick? And a sixth round pick. So it was a first first and a fourth round pick, but they also got a second back because there was the recognition that you also were gonna have to give him a new contract. So I mean, that's the that is minimum. It's that plus other picks, of course, because Laramie Tunzel is a more talented football player. But also if you're the Texans, knowing that the contract has to come with it for the new team. So I I would trade my first round pick and my third round pick and whatever the additional pick has to be. I don't have the the trade calculator in front of me. For Laramie Tunzel, because I know Nick, he actually is what Orlando Brown thinks he is. And yeah, you're going to have to pay him. I mean, he's going to, he, he will have to be the highest paid left tackle in football, but I'm willing to give that money to him because he's actually worthy of that. He's not an average left tackle. Yeah. We won't have any conversations about like what kind of production, like, nope, you'll just have that side of your line solidified. And, And someone would trade for Orlando Brown Jr. By the way, the chiefs could double, they could tag him again. You could trade and maybe get one of those mid round picks back for him. So then you're really talking about the first round pick plus whatever the, the other mid round pick. So you're really maybe just doing a first round pick and a mid round pick for Laramie Tunzel. And I know that my half a billion dollar quarterback has a top three left tackle now for the next five years, potentially. Yeah. Sign me up for that versus we're going to go through this whole off season of, Oh, they want to give Orlando Brown jr. Some sort of deal. They want to offer him the type of deal that, that they offered last off season. What's his performance like, but we all still deep down know his ceiling is probably not, you know, the, the ninth or 10th best tackle in football, not the second or third best like this year, because Trent Williams is getting now finally showing a little bit of signs of age, even though he's still one of the best Laramie Tunzel might legitimately be the second or best left tackle in football right now. Yeah. I mean, David Bakhtiari has been, been banged up, banged yeah. up. So do you think if Orlando Brown jr. Just shows up in the playoffs and Patrick Mahomes has a clean pocket for three or four games, doesn't really get touched. We don't talk about the, the line whatsoever. Yeah. Is that enough for the Chiefs to just say, you know what? The easiest solution here is just to pay the guy we have. So I don't think it'll be as simple as that, right? I mean, I think they will be exploring truly every single possible option, whether it's Tunzel, whether it's going to be the draft. Like, so I think, remember, Orlando Brown wasn't plan A. Right, so Orlando Brown Jr. being on this team next year with a new contract or the tag again, that doesn't mean that was their first choice. Like, I, I still don't believe Orlando Brown Jr. was not their first option when they traded for him from Baltimore. Their first option, we know, was Trent Williams that year. They, they thought they had a chance to get him. Instead, of course, the 49ers came in and took care of him. So to answer your question, like, do you think that's enough for the Chiefs to say we're just good? No, I don't think that's just enough. It depends. Do they think there's a realistic, viable option A or B? I don't believe he'll be option A. Again, I I don't think signing Orlando Brown Jr. to the long-term extension, I don't think that's going to be their first option. I think they're going to look at potential options through another trade with somebody else, through what what they feel this draft class is going to be like, which I I don't think that pick 28 to 32, if that's where the Chiefs end up, you're in position to really find a a, start a rookie left tackle that you draft at pick 28. It's less about giving up that first-round pick, and my bigger question is, how many more holes does Brett Veach and Andy Reid, how, how many more holes do they yeah. view on this roster in terms of like, are they still like, Nate Taylor brought this up on Tuesday. Are they looking at safety and saying, okay, we need an answer there because we're not going to resign Juan Thornhill. We still need another edge rusher, right? You've got to get another one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you need more help at receiver? How do you feel about Juju? Do you need to spend another draft pick? So all of a sudden, you can imagine a scenario 
where the needs this offseason start to pile up and get to four, five, six, you're going to need draft picks for that. Are you sure you want to package two or three of those to go and solidify this, to get, oh, a li- this to get where, better at this one position versus just taking what you have? And this is where it gets interesting if we want to really continue. Got, everything has a trickle-down effect, uh, and this is, this is why the front office looks at this stuff months in advance. They don't just decide on the start of the league year. You mentioned packaging picks. This is why the Chris Jones conversation is really interesting, too. I mean, I think this, these, these all impact the other. What they do with Brown and or another option to left tackle will have an impact on what their decision is with Chris Jones. Are they giving Chris Jones this huge extension over the that'll cross over the age of 30? The guy's going to have 13 sacks plus sacks, it looks like, this year. He's going to be an all-pro. You and I talked about Chris yesterday. It's not a 0% chance that he's not traded. It's not a, I don't you know I don't think it's I wouldn't say it's the 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 likeliest scenario. But Chris Jones being traded is definitely a possibility this offseason too. So that I mean that's where maybe you get some picks from that. Maybe that's part of a trade with the Tex- Texans. Like there's a t- there's so many potential paths that you can choose if you're Brett Veach and the Chiefs. And it'll be really interesting this offseason. But I saw that comment from Laramie Tunzel yesterday. I'm like, that's like identical to what Orlando Brown Jr. said. We know how that turned out. It ended up being a franchise tag. The difference for Tunzel, his contract next year, uh, cap hit $35 million. <laughs> 35 million potential out for the Texans. He's not playing on thir- they're not playing him on a $35 million cap hit. So he's either getting a new contract with the Texans or they're trading him. The Texans are not going to have their left tackle with the $35 million cap hit next year. They need some, they've got some holes to plug. They do. So trading him, I think is, is a possibility for the Texans. And if you knew, if you knew the Texans were actually willing to trade him, the chief should absolutely be making a phone call to find out perhaps what that compensation looks like. And then you can start working on things for Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, and, and potential options there. So I, I'm just saying, like that, that is going to be one to watch, at least for me, uh, heading into the offseason as well. Coming up next, though, another local school on the other side of the state line with a huge performance last night. I think the bar has completely been raised for Missouri basketball. We'll get to that next. There's Kelsey to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, back here on Cody and Gold. Just getting started on a Thursday. Danian Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, going to join us here in a half hour. Alex Gold, Nick Schwartz with you. We'll get to Nick's notable notes in 15 minutes or so. Real quick before we get to Missouri basketball and their win over Kentucky, just a couple texts over on the J Southland Toe Service text line, 913-586-7610. I saw a couple people uh, pointing out we were talking about, you know, a potential Laramie Tunzel trade. Uh, said, hey, the Kansas City's hosting the draft in April, which we are. Uh, they don't want to give their first-round pick. That was a off-season story for a brief minute, and then about a month or so ago, and I, I was trying to find the audio, guys. I'll find the quotes if you want, but Clark Hunt was asked about it again, and he essentially said a month ago, like, look, no, we were kind of joking with Brett. 
And if there's a trade that can happen to make our team better, he's not going to stand in the way. I, there was a thought for a little while, like, hey, do you want to have the, the first round pick? Yeah, would you prefer to have the first round pick while your city is hosting the draft? Sure, of course. Um, but if you can better your team, he's not going to stand in the way. So I, I, I don't think that's real. I, I'll, I'll, I'll call BS now. Got like the, the best the trade in the history of the NFL yeah. sitting on the desk. Also, are you guys going to – I mean, I know the, the trade that we were just going through hypotheticals for next season with the first round pick – uh, for I mean, uh, as far as getting the benefits of it with Tunzel, but is anybody going to care if the Chiefs aren't announcing a draft pick in April in Kansas City at pick thirty-two? No, but like because it, or are you going to be happy when they say, hey, you know what, that thirty-second pick, Nick, we don't have it uh, because we won this Lombardi Trophy. We're just going to walk across the stage real quick with the Lombardi Trophy. Nobody's going to care if you don't have the first-round pick if you win a Super Bowl. So I, overall, like the whole notion that like oh you can't trade the first-round pick because you have the draft here. That's that, was that true. like how much do you think how would how would Clark Hunt answer that question like do you think he really ultimately cares well he did answer that's what I'm saying uh, in in the offseason Brett Veach joked about it right right he, he joked about it and we're like oh maybe it's some truth to that and then Clark Hunt was asked about I want to say it was a month ago I'd have to go back and, and and pull up my email where there was quotes from him I think it was a month ago maybe a month and a half and uh and he was asked and he he basically gave a, a clearer answer uh, on that like saying that, that was something that him and Brett had laughed about but deep down, he's not going to prevent something from happening, even if it involves the first round pick. So I, I don't think you have to worry about that. If that's your, if that's your hold up on the, yeah, but it's kind of like the big boss, you know, when they come upstairs <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but make sure you don't do that thing. Just kidding though. But seriously though, don't do it. Yeah. I, like, wait a minute. I, I can't I, tell if he's serious or not. I don't think that would be the, the hold up. The other thing I, I saw someone push back on, which is that, Hey, Mahomes is really close with Orlando Brown. Their families trick or treated together. Look, I'm sure they are very close. I'm sure that he likes them quite a bit. But you know what's what's true? If if you knew that you could have Laramie Tunzel blocking for you, who's a top two left tackle, something tells me, Nick, they become pretty good friends as well. Something tells me. Just, just that's great, by the way. That like the Chiefs are like, hey, Patrick, we have a chance to acquire, you know, an elite player at a premium position, uh-huh. and it actually is a position that <laughs> yeah. directly uh-huh. affects you in a massive way. Do you mind if we go ahead and make that deal? And he said, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, yeah, my kids go best quarterback in the NFL, said, but what about the kids, man? Also. That would be so traumatizing. We know that Mahomes was pretty close with Tyra Matthew. He's not here, is he? So I, I I don't buy into either of those narratives of I'm not but I'm not telling you that they're gonna trade for Tunzel, but like that's not those aren't gonna be the holdups. Not that well Mahomes is best buds with Orlando Brown Jr. That's not that would not be the holdup. What might be the holdup is the money, the draft compensation, their belief in Orlando Brown Jr. themselves. So we'll, we'll see. Anyway, we'll get back to that and I'll ask Damon Hughes about it coming up in, in twenty five minutes or so. I do want to talk about Missouri basketball though. Last night they get a win against Kentucky, number nineteen Kentucky. The Missouri Tigers, Nick, with a 14-point win, they're 13-1 and on the season. And now it's back-to-back wins against Illinois and Kentucky. Their one loss, of course, is to Kansas. And when, I don't want to talk about Kentucky and what they are. They're, they're graded on the national championship scale. Kentucky doesn't look any good on that level yet. But that win in year one for Dennis Gates, now coming off of an Illinois, like, that's awfully impressive, man. And he has raised the bar, I think, immediately now. Immediately the bar has been raised. You're 13-1, and one, and it's December 29th? That was your first SEC game? You get Arkansas here uh, Saturday or next next week? 
and Arkansas is a top 10 team, another huge test. They're going to make the tournament. That should be the bar. That, that should be the expectation now, that the Missouri Tigers are, are going to make the tournament. When, you're thir- when you get 13 wins and you're in a Power 5 conference, as soft as the schedule has been, we, we talked about that before the KU game, but now you have wins on the – the schedule can be soft if you're getting wins when you do play the good teams. And, yeah, you're, you were 0 for 1 against KU, but you, you got to win against an Illinois team. You now have a win against the top 25 Kentucky team. If you get seven more wins, Nick, they're in the dance. If you're a 20-win team with wins over Kentucky and Illinois, if you're Missouri, out of the SEC, you're going to the NCAA tournament. Now, maybe you're a first-four team. I don't know how the seeding will all work out. Way too early for that. But that's that's where the expectation in the bar should be. And that's the fact that we're even having that conversation is a huge credit to what Dennis Gates has done in year one. Think about where this team was at. I thought it was over after that KU game. I was like, Over oh. in terms of, like, you thought you just going to nosedive? Yeah, like, oh, okay, nice start to the season. You played a really easy schedule, and we'll we'll see how good Kentucky ends up being, but we know this much. Kentucky's not a bottom 100 no, team. No, like, no, that's, no. they may not be a top 25 team. Yeah, but they, they're they got top, five losses on the season They're now. a top they're a 50 team in the country, right? That's That's at least a barometer of where Kentucky's at. You have to take them seriously now. But the SEC, like, where do you... Look where, at the SEC... Uh, Go ahead. Where do you see Kentucky finishing in the SEC this year? You know, it's it's Calipari. Like, despite them being eight and five now, like he'll find a way. They'll get you. You feel like by the time we get to the uh, SEC tournament, Kentucky will be playing a lot better basketball. I mean, they still have Oscar Sheway. Like, I mean, this was he didn't suddenly just forget he, the Monstars didn't come and steal Oscar Sheway's talents. You know what I mean? So, like, I I, I do think Kentucky by the time we get close to the SEC tournament, uh, will we'll be playing at a much better level. But Take advantage, Missouri. You, you got them early on in the schedule. Take advantage of it, and they did. It wasn't just a win. They, it's a fourteen point win. They were in control, Nick, from start to finish. At the the bar I was at watching the KU bowl game had the Missouri game on on the other TV in the corner. That that was a dominant performance, start to finish. This wasn't a back and forth contest. Missouri was up virtually the entire game. In fact, they were up by twenty plus a couple times in that game. So that was an all around dominant win at home for Missouri and looking at just the conference as a whole I and mean, you're at 12 wins. You have as most you have tied for as many wins. I should say as LSU overall in that conference right now, we mentioned Alabama is the real deal. So is Arkansas. Alabama has 11 wins. Arkansas has 11 wins as well. Just overall, I'm just, just simple math. I mean, barring a complete destruction of the team. I don't know how Missouri doesn't get to that 20 win mark, seven more wins with the, if, with what they've looked like the last two weeks, I mean, there's always the bottom feeders in the SEC too. You're going to get what you're going to get Mississippi and Florida. Those teams have seven and eight wins right now. Neither looks all that good at all. All right. Let, I understand upsets happen, but all right, there, let's say that's 14, 15 wins. Of course you will have to play Kentucky in their building later. You're going to play Arkansas, Alabama twice. Like I, I'm just, I'm just going through it and I, I don't know how they're not a tournament team. And that, that's pretty amazing to say about year one, Dennis Gates. The offense is really fun. That's the that's the that's what I like about Missouri. It's it's not just a team that's manufacturing wins and you say, okay, well, I guess this works. It's it's very evident why they're good. They're fun to watch. They play really fast, and they are one of the best. I mean, Kobe Brown is real a deal. star. That dude is the real deal. And when you have one of those guys, it's kind of like you know Kansas football early in the season. When you're trying to figure out, is this team legit? And then you just watch Jalen Daniels and you say, well, they have a really good player at a really important position. That much I know. We saw it again last night. That will get you a long ways, even if 
cracks start to show in other places around the team. If you got one of those dudes, that's going to get you along, especially in basketball. There's only five guys on the court, right? You got a star that immediately elevates your team's potential. So Missouri 13 uh, in, in one on the season. And I mentioned they're going to get Arkansas coming up on Wednesday. That's top 10 Arkansas. And then they get Vandy and A&M in Florida. I mean, there's a stretch. Like, even if they lose to Arkansas, those next three games are, they'll probably be favorites in the next three after the Arkansas game before they get Arkansas again. They're going to play Arkansas twice in a four or five game stretch before Alabama. So there's some tough ones coming up after that. But why, why can't they be sitting on 15 wins here by the time we get to January 15th or 16th? And, and if that's the case, you're at 15 wins by middle of January or 14 wins in middle of January, then, then they're going to the NCAA tournament. And, and I think that would have been uh, a huge, huge big if, really, before the start yeah, of the season. That's what you want. You want increased expectations. You want He's pressure. Done He's that's, done it, man. That's the whole point, right? We'll get to Nick's Honorable Notes coming up in about five or six minutes. I can't wait, though, for something that's going to happen on Monday night. And and I know we're still a couple days away from it, but there's massive ramifications for right here in Kansas City with what happens between Joe Burrow and Cincinnati and Josh Allen and Buffalo. That is the Monday night football game. We, we, we crap on the Monday night football schedule. They actually have one of the best games of the year, finally, for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Monday night. I don't know if this is a Manning cast game or not. I sure hope it is. It is about as good as it gets on the NFL calendar considering the timing of the year. The two teams have combined for 23 wins. That's tied for the most at this point in the season since the Niners and Broncos took on each other on a Monday night game back in 1997. And it's the most wins since they started playing on Monday nights in 1970. So to have these two quality teams in a Monday night football game this late in the season just doesn't happen. doesn't happen. So the game itself, I can't wait to see Burrow and Allen. But we know the, the ramifications here. If Cincinnati wins that game and Kansas City wins out, we know Kansas City once again will be on track to host an AFC title game for a fifth straight season. And they'll be the number one seed. I know they weren't the one seed last year, but they would get the bye week and they're already the healthiest team really in football right now in terms of playoff contenders, which is pretty wild. So it's pretty simple. Like, yeah, I'm rooting for as gross as it sounds for a guy that's beat Mahomes three times. It's not even a question. You're rooting for Cincinnati on Monday night. Not even close. And they're the bigger challenge. That's what's weird. Because normally you'd want the team that's a tougher challenge you, for you. You, th- you think you well, feel yeah, confident about that? I think Cincinnati is more problematic to Kansas City than Buffalo is. Why is that? Because Burrow's I, I would 3-0 you, against Patrick Mahomes. They lost to the, the Bills Chiefs this year too. Sa- the Chiefs cannot sack. Yeah, but they lost, they've lost to Buffalo the regular season before, Nick, and found ways to beat them in the postseason. And Von Miller's hurt. Joe Burrow is 3-0 against Mahomes, even if the margin of victory is, what, a combined six points or nine points, whatever it is, the last couple of contests. It's not close to me. Who would I rather see in an AFC title game, Buffalo or Cincinnati? Yeah, Buffalo, especially at Arrowhead. Cincinnati just beat you in the AFC title game at Arrowhead last year. Oh, so the venue does make a difference? Yes, if Buffalo's what if, the what one if, seed, what if you're on the okay, yeah. well, the Bengals aren't going to be the one seed, no, but right. But you're saying if Buffalo's the one seed and you have to go to Buffalo for yeah. an AFC title game, well, the way that so I mean, yeah, so I'm, t- along, I'm saying, would you rather have an AFC title game yeah. in Buffalo versus the Bills or in Kansas City versus the Bengals? Yeah, I'll still take the I'll still take the home game despite what happened last year. I mean, I think it'd be insane to suggest that going on the road for an AFC. I was title making game. sure. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. just making sure. But under that scenario, let's play it out that way. So let's say Buffalo wins on Monday night, very possible. 
uh, then that pretty much lo- pretty much locks up the one seed. We agree for Buffalo. So they're the one. Cincy would get a loss, so that would make it to where Kansas City pretty much is locked in as the two if Cincy loses. Cincy's the three, but also Cincinnati would have a chance to all of a sudden lose the division because they're going to Baltimore. Uh, I know that Lamar Jackson's not playing, but Baltimore has an easy schedule until they play Cincy the last week of the season, and that could get flexed to the final game. I guess what I'm saying is if Cincy's the three and Kansas the two, let's say KC beats the seventh seed, Cincy beats the sixth seed, well, then Cincy's going to Buffalo in the divisional round game, and they're playing this game again in three weeks. If Cincy loses the division, they're the five seed, they're going to play, let's say, Jacksonville. They win that game. They'll still go to Buffalo. Yeah, but here's the They'll problem. They'll still go to Buffalo, Nick. In the divisional round game, there's a chance if that plays out that way, the Chiefs could at least avoid having to play Cincy and Buffalo in the same postseason. Fair. But here's the problem with that scenario is if – if wait, so if Cincy wins this week, they're yes. not – and then they're not going to play in Buffalo again in the po- – No, no, no. If, if, if Cincinnati wins – if Cincinnati wins, Kansas City becomes the one seed. Okay. So they're the one. Yeah, that the scenario of them playing Buffalo only involves if if Buffalo wins this game on Monday night and Buffalo gets the one seed and Cincy's the three, yeah, okay. they could end up playing again. I was in the just making sure game. I was just making sure Cincy couldn't win this game on Monday and then have to go to no, Buffalo and win again. No. Because if they did no, that, no, no, then no. that would be like, you know, Thanos collecting the infinity <laughs> stones. I'm like, okay, all all Cincinnati does no. is go to Kansas City and Buffalo and get wins. That would scare me a little bit. I don't want to face a team after that. Like, like okay, well, this team yeah, is unstoppable. No, because, I mean, the, the scenario exists with what you're saying could happen, but that would require Buffalo losing. Yeah, it's too okay. it's mental. You're going to put all my right, brain right, in a pretzel right. here. I was going to say Buffalo loses. The Chiefs also would lose, and then Buffalo would still end up as the ones. Anyway, I don't want to confuse you. I'm easily confused. You got to be careful, man. I do love the playoff machine. Do you toy around with it at all? Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. Plug in all the different scenarios. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I'll just be like, how do we get the Steelers in? You know? <laughs> uh, a lot of help. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of help along the way. All right. Let's get to your notes. Write something down. Nick's Notable Notes. All right. So this is, uh, you know, we're, we're having fun today, but it's a little sad because it's the last time oh. we're going to do a show together for a little while, you know? Until next year. Man. Yeah, man. man. Hey, oh. see you next year. <laughs> oh, hey. Wow. Hey, you know I what I mean? I hate that stuff. Yeah, you're right. I, I, we didn't after, do. You're, you're. Are you solo tomorrow, or are you hosting with Dusty tomorrow? I am hosting with Chris Unocero on with the special keys. Gu- with special guests, including with special guests, including Pete Sweeney and Rob Collins right? and Rob Collins okay. RC50. That's right. RC50. In studio <laughs> at one o'clock. It's a big sports weekend, and you're not going to be on the air. Oh. I, I mean, you got that betting show. But you're not going to be on these airwaves again for about another week. And yeah, there's next a, Wednesday. There's a lot of games happening between now and then. So I wanted to kind of give you a chance, maybe your final opportunity your, to, to use this platform to discuss what is, I would argue, a top five football weekend. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good clarification on football. it. Football weekend. Because we've football had some, weekend. like three weeks ago, Thanksgiving weekend was a pretty damn good f- sports weekend we just talked about Bengals Bills I mean in terms of regular season games this is about as good as it can get because there have been great matchups we saw Chiefs Bills we saw Chiefs Bengals but those were early in the season now with two weeks to go massive playoff implications we just discussed that one but a great slate of college football games as well starting with Saturday 11 a.m. Sugar Bowl Bama, six-and-a-half-point favorites versus the Cats. Do you think the Cats have a chance at, at pulling off the upset here? I think they can cover. I, okay. I don't think they're going to win. I think K-State can cover. I, 
we know, which I, I love this, and this is why it's a great opportunity for K-State, though. Bryce Young is going to play, and, I, and props to him for playing in this game, by the way. Uh, that makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, if, if all of a sudden this was a Bama team that had six or seven starters not playing, you're like, okay, eh. No, we're, we're, seeing the, we're seeing pretty much the real deal Alabama here. Uh, and so I think that's it's huge for the Big 12. It's huge for Kansas State. I think it'll be a close game, though. I, yeah, I, the, I don't think this is a blowout or anything. This will be a close game. I think six and a half that K-State can cover that. And I guess if you think they can cover the six and a half and it's a one-possession game, then you can say they got a chance to win if that's the case. I think you could argue this is the biggest game in the history of that program. Mm. Now, they did win the Fiesta yeah. Bowl in 97, but they still finished eighth, I think. In the AP pool, now that's not necessarily the best clarification, but that, but that you're saying if to they beat Bama, that's they the best finish, season. You're saying they could finish fourth or fifth. I mean, that's the best season in the history of the program, right? 1997. There's no question about it. Went 11 and one that year. I think there's. I think if I'm a K State fan and you beat Alabama because it's Nick Saban, and you Bama. beat Alabama yeah. to win the Sugar Bowl. You're probably putting that right up there amongst the greatest oh, seasons in the history of the program. It's definitely up there, if not an automatic best one ever, because it's Nick Saban and Alabama, and I. 11 a.m. kickoff, and that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah, uh, and then you've got the college football playoff later that night. TCU, Michigan. We, I think we all sort of maybe wondered in the back of our heads when we were watching those that final championship weekend play out, are they going to give us Michigan-Ohio State part two? I'm glad they didn't. I want new matchups, and I didn't want TCU to be dinged for playing in the conference championship while Ohio State got uh, – theoretically easier matchup but that's the first game Michigan seven and a half point favorites that spread seems a little big just I don't know maybe it's just because Michigan doesn't have the same so you cachet what, that you have what? like Georgia Ohio State Alabama I was actually so when the line initially came out I was hoping it was going to balloon to like 10 and a half or 11 it's obviously gone in the opposite uh, direction it kind of tells you my feeling on this so I I have liked TCU for much of the season um I think this Michigan team is much better than the team from a year ago. Which is crazy because and, of all of the I NFL know, talent they had on that and, defense. And I know Blake Corum injury and all that is not good. But I think this Michigan team is better, which is why I think Michigan ends up winning this game. And actually, Michigan, this go-around, has a chance to win the national championship. This is a better Michigan team. I do think the storybook ride here for TCU will end is great. As, and they're not going to get blown out, I don't think. But Mi- Michigan is better. Like Last year's Michigan team against... This TCU team this year, yeah, I'd say TCU has a chance to win. I, I don't TCU. I don't even know if they can cover. Yeah. The, the line's gone down enough to where I don't think they can cover. And the beautiful thing about the college football playoff in its current form, I know there are a lot of complaints, but in the current four-game format, you do oftentimes get treated to matchups like this one, Ohio State, yeah. Georgia, which in the semifinal feels like a national championship. If I would have told you with two yeah. weeks to go in the regular season, Ohio State and Georgia are meeting up in the championship game. You would have believed me. Georgia's six and a half point favorites, which is kind of funny to see them being right. uh, having a, a smaller spread there than Michigan does versus TCU. Yeah, I think when it opened up as well, you would have said, oh, eight and a half. That'll, that'll go up. Yeah. Nine, nine, and it, and it hasn't. Uh, Ohio State, we know the playmakers they have. I just, my, my question in, in this game is going to be how does, after seeing what Michigan, by the way, did to Ohio State a couple weeks ago, or it's been a month at this point, I guess, but seeing what Ohio State uh, struggled to do against Michigan and that defense, how on earth how on earth are they going to get consistent production against that Georgia defense, which is an absolute monster? And this is a Georgia offense. I know we make the Stetson Bennett jokes, but they've actually been pretty good offensively. Well, Georgia does, <laughs> Georgia does what all like great football, like what Alabama has done, what, uh, what um, Oklahoma did for so long in the Big 12. 
which is they just annihilate you up front, right? They kill you. And Ohio State, under Urban Meyer, what were they so good at producing? Pass rushers. They had those single forces, the Bosa brothers and uh, Chase Young. I'm not really sure they have that guy this year. They don't have those those bodies. Tui uh, Molo, I'm going to butcher that name, but like he's pretty good on the defensive side of the ball for them. I just don't see those dudes on defense, and Georgia has a million of those dudes so on we both sides saying, of the ball. So we both think we're getting Georgia-Michigan, the top two seeds, yeah, Georgia-Michigan national title I, game, which I think, by the way, the spread for that, depending on what everybody looked like, the spread for that, Georgia one and a half, Georgia two and a half, if it's anything like, if it's anything more than that, if it was, a, if you told me Georgia, Michigan, and it's minus four and a half Georgia, I would be putting money on Michigan. Michigan earned a ton of respect with their win over Ohio State. I think that was the moment, even though they did it last year, it was, okay, this wasn't just one good team that now is benefiting from a down year in the Big Ten, because that's what it was. Like, the Big Ten has like three good teams and then a bunch of others. Like, for Iowa, I mean, like, come on. We're about to talk to a Hawkeye here. Be careful. Okay, We're about okay. to talk yeah, to a Hawkeye about in about that. seven minutes, man. I forgot about that. I don't want to piss off yeah, Dana. Yeah, but. he may not answer your phone call now. Actually, you know what? Dana is a self-aware <laughs> Hawkeye fan. We've had him on at multiple points. Much all Hawkeye fans are. We've got Josh Klingler. Yeah, like, all yeah. of those, they're very well aware. But I, they're proud alums, so I'm not going to push them too much. What bowl game were they in? They, they play tomorrow. They play uh, Saturday as well. Oh, they yeah. play Kentucky. The, the Music City Bowl. That's right. They're just kind of sandwiched in between three <laughs> incredible college football games is Iowa and Kentucky in the Music City Bowl. Is Levis, he's not playing in that game, is he? Of course, the reason why I bring that up, he's supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks drafted. Is he sitting, I would assume he's sitting out. Why on earth would you risk an ACL injury and ruin your draft stock? Um, I mean, I would be stunned, right? Does it say if, he's, if Levis is playing? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, he will be sitting out. Yeah, I mean, you can't play in that game if you're. You can't. Hey, breaking news from December seventh. <laughs> you can't play in that game if you're Will Levis. You're gonna be maybe the third quarterback, second quarterback off the board. Yeah, and somebody's gonna be drafting the next Brady Quinn. The, so the Las Vegas Raiders will draft Will Levis. Please do. Please do. Dude, I hope he's seriously. He is. He is built like Brian Urlacher. Oh, he's a huge. I don't know how that yeah. works at quarterback. Yeah. So you're saying he'll be broadcasting games in the next. Eight years, like Brady Quinn did. I'm saying he's trying to get as jacked as possible, which is not really what <laughs> people at that position do, unless you're Jalen Hurts. Well, worked out well for him. And he's also really fast. Yeah, we'll find out how it goes. Okay, yeah, so and every, every quarterback should just get as jacked as possible. I think so, man. I think so. All right, coming up next, though, we'll get back to the Chiefs with former Chiefs wide receiver Danian Hughes. We'll get his thoughts on that Laramie Tunzel scenario that we brought out there and how he feels about the Chiefs heading in to the final two weeks. Listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss Alex's That Betting Show every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Right here on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.